0: Hello and welcome to ConnectPoint's podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. And have an awareness that that kind of experience even exists. So much of the world is not even aware that that kind of experience exists. They've never been anywhere, done anything around anyone that's felt anything like what we felt. Amen. He says, while we are so thankful for that, it ought to also just be a motivator and an encourager to us. More people need to be able to know that Jesus is for real. Amen. Amen. He's for real. Amen. Tremendous, tremendous thing. Well, it's going to feel a little bit like uh, the beginnings because we started a series on the power and the practice of prayer uh, what feels like an eternity ago. (laughs) And then we had some special things happen, and then we had our outreach month and, and all of that. And so I want to get back to this series on prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. Amen. I want to get back to it. I'm going to attempt to hit some stuff that I've already hit, but I'm just telling you right now, um, things that I took 20, 30 minutes, maybe 15 minutes talking about, I'm going to take 20 or 30 seconds talking about. So um, if you missed those first lessons on prayer, you need to go back and our uh, social media. Go back on uh, all of our sermons and lessons are on Spotify. If you don't know what Spotify is, it's just a, a website you can go to and listen to all kinds of stuff, and you can just go there and find our stuff as well. I would highly encourage you, if you have any questions about prayer or how to involve yourself more greatly in prayer, achieve more out of prayer, to go back and listen to those. Amen? Amen. And we we prayer is a connection. We're all about connection. We believe in connection. The most important connection that we have is with God. In fact, if we don't have a strong connection with God, all of our other connections cease to be effective. Right? So we have to have a strong connection with God and and, and it's it's a connection with God of the now and it's a connection of the God of our eternity to come. And and prayer, though, is also a survival tool for our present time, for our life. You, you're not going to make it if you don't know how to pray. That's not a, I'm not talking down to anybody. I'm not being overly dramatic or negative. It is a factual statement. We will not survive if we don't know how to pray. Amen. We need to have a communion uh, with God. God. The psalmist said, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Amen. He, he said, I in the evening, in, in, in the morning, at noon, I will cry out to God, I will pray, and he shall hear my voice. We need to have an understanding of that. Amen. It needs to be completely uh, solidified and sure in our understanding that when we pray, God hears us. Amen. Amen, and, and uh, you know what, that'll also keep you from, from, from uh, just praying some, and forgive me for lack of a better way to illustrate it, from boring prayers. Well, I guess what I mean by that is ineffective, I'm half paying attention, I don't even know the own words, the other words are coming out of my mouth because I'm thinking about everything else. Amen. It's hard to pray those type of prayers when you truly believe that God is responding, hearing, attentive when we pray. Amen? Amen. And so so it's important that we get that. Amen. And so uh, uh, we want to look at the view of prayer, and we want to expand our ability to pray, maybe take some limits off of our prayers. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 16 through 20 says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is, what? The will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesying. And so we see the broadness of these prayer-related statements. It's very broad. Rejoice evermore. Don't stop rejoicing. Don't stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks, not just in some things, but in what? In everything, in all things, right? Amen. Quench not the Spirit. Don't shut God down. Don't shut God down. Despise not prophesying. Don't limit God. Don't put limits on God. Amen. When we start to take the limits off of, off of God, illustratively, we'll start to take the limits off of ourselves. Because God doesn't actually have any limits. We're the ones that are limiting and limiting ourselves. Amen? Amen. amen. And so uh, we, we want to recognize uh, the power of this and understand, amen, what God was wanting to do. We know the New Testament church, they had prayer. They had a prayer life Amen. We know that there were times that they went to the temple for prayer. The Bible tells us in Acts 3 at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour that they went. Amen. And so there were, there were certain times that they prayed each day. Uh, there were hours of prayer, 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m. These were hours of prayer. Amen. And it's, it's significant for us to understand that we don't need to just kind of relegate God to something. Say, well, this is all I'm going to do. This is the only time I'm going to pray. Amen? Because we know that's not true, because if 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 we get ourselves in a tough spot, we'll pray no matter when it is, won't we? If things get tough enough, we'll pray. So we know we don't, we don't put God in, in a box. So we talked, we talked about starting with praise. Everybody say praise. praise. Amen. And we talked about starting with praise because... Uh, it's it's a way to uh, understand what you're doing. It's a way to establish who you're communicating with, uh, commu- communing with, uh, understanding that this is not just a conversation. Uh, I'm in prayer. Uh, I'm going to God. I'm going before the throne. I'm, you're letting yourself know. Sometimes when you start praying, you got to let yourself know. Okay, self, we're gonna pray now. Right you got to let yourself know, this is what we're going to do for the next little while. We're not going to think about that. We're not going to worry about that. We're not going to try to figure out what needs to be helped over there. We're not going to think about what happened last week. We're going to prayer now. Amen. We have to, and praise helps us to do that. Amen. We looked at Matthew 6, and we looked at the, the illustrative uh, conversation that Jesus has with his disciples about Praying, He says, uh, after this manner, pray ye therefore, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy and set apart is your name. Amen. So we establish him as the object of our praise. Right? The only one worthy of our praise and our worship. You are God. We talked about making it even more personal. You are God. You are my God. Amen. You are my God. That's a significant little two-letter word that can change your whole viewpoint when you're talking to the Lord. You are, you are the Lord, but you are my Lord. You're the Savior of the world, but you're also my Savior. You can heal anybody, but you've healed me. Amen. We make it very personal. Amen. And we do this before our requests and our petitions and our questions and our problems. We simply praise Him for who He is. Why we still have the problem, why we still don't know what the answer is, why we're still directionless on a situation. It establishes to us that He is God and we are not. And so whether or not I get healed doesn't matter, He's worthy. Whether or not He answers me today doesn't matter, He's worthy. I'm gonna praise Him no matter what. Amen. And uh, we talked about. Uh, Waiting on the Lord. Everybody say, wait on the Lord. A, A famous verse, Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That word wait there in this context means to bind together. It means to be patient with expectation. It means to come into agreement with. I will wait on the Lord. Amen. I'm going to come into agreement with him. I'm going to bind together with him. Amen. And that's an important thing that we learn to do that. Sometimes we are so anxious to get to our petitions. We're so anxious to get to our requests. Amen. We start praying and five seconds in, we're telling God what he needs to do. Right? Right? Amen. And, I, and he knows, he knows, the Bible says, he knows that you have need of these things. He's aware of our struggles. He's aware of that. We prioritize that so high because it's so important to us. When the reality of it is, he knows it. He knows what we need. He knows what has to happen. He knows what the plan is already. And so we don't have to push to get to that place uh, uh, so quickly. Amen. And so we we want to wait on the Lord. We talked a little bit about not having to speak constantly for God to hear us, that we do believe in verbal prayer. We believe in... And quiet prayer, we believe in out loud prayer, fast prayer, slow prayer. You can sing prayer. Uh, we believe in all uh, types of prayer. Uh, but we also know uh, that David said, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising, Psalm 139, 1 through 4. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it. All together. Amen. Amen. So we talked about that a lot about that. We talked a lot. If you weren't here, you need to go back. This is very hard for me to do, by the way. Very, very difficult because I'm looking at stuff and I'm skipping stuff and I'm like, that's good stuff. But I already said it. We talked about thy kingdom come and thy will be done, right? Amen. We talked about phrases like, Lord, establish your throne in my heart. Because if he's not the king of my heart, how can I help him be the king of someone else's? Lord, establish your throne. And I, 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 I believe I'm, I may have spoke to you about how when I say that, a lot of times I visualize it. Estab- establish your throne in my home. And when I'll I'll make a statement like that, I'll almost visualize his throne just right smack in the middle of my living room. I mean, if you could see what it really was, what would we see? You ever think about that? We believe God's present, right? Amen. If he opened our eyes, what would we really see? And so I, 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 I try to do that visually, and I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying that if his throne is not established in my home, how can I, how can I ever help somebody else to get his throne established in theirs? And if I'm not willing to let him be, his will be done in my life, amen, how can I pray for my community? How can I pray for this region? How can I pray revival for the world? How could I pray, God, amen, this world needs to repent and turn from their ways if I won't repent and turn from mine? right? So thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We surrender our will. We submit to his will, his kingdom, not my kingdom. His kingdom will always be better. His will is always better. Someone say always better. If it bothers you to say that, then you need to go on a fast and you need to pray and you need to seek God. His will will always be better than my will. It's not even it's not even a thing. It's not even close. Um, and so we we but we do we do some things verbally, and I think I'm I'm trying to make a point about that because I think it helps people in just the daily practice of prayer. I think there's some there's some elements and some things, some cues, some things that you can cue even yourself in. We say some things out loud so that we hear ourselves say them. It's important that we hear ourselves say, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen? He knows if it's in my heart, he knows it already, so it's not like he needs me to say it. It's important for me. My flesh needs to be told that routinely because my flesh will, all, any opportunity it gets, will try to assert its will. So I have to keep my will surrendered, and I need to hear myself Uh, say that. We talked about give give us this day our daily bread. And we we talked about what that really means. We understand that God is the source of our sustenance and our nourishment, but that this is a lot more than that. Uh, That before Jesus got into this prayer guide with with the disciples, he says this in Matthew 6, Uh, 7 and 8, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard of for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask of him. So I don't have to ask him every day to give me food. Nourishment, I don't need to ask him every day for that. He, he, He knows that I need that things I'm in need of now I'm not saying you can't ask him for food and if you're in need by all means ask him because he will provide amen he will he will provide and we ought to for sure thank him for what we have amen you ought to you ought to be overcome with thankfulness on a regular basis amen I mean I'm just going to say it folks you you live in, in the United States of America compared to the rest of the world, we ought to be overcome with thankfulness on a regular basis. Amen. Amen. So we just, we need to, we can be thankful for that. We can be thankful that we, what we have and food and all that stuff. But, but this daily bread, this day-by-day day bread, what we will need every day. We take that concept and then we read Matthew like 4, 3 through 4. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made to bread. This is Satan talking to Jesus. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but what? Every word that proceeded out of the mouth of who? Out of God. Amen. So there's bread and then there's bread. There's bread and then there's bread. There's bread stuff you put your peanut butter and jelly on. And we're not going to get into an argument about whether crunchy or smooth, skippy or jiffy, it doesn't matter. But then there's bread, then there's the word. I need a word from God every day. I need a word from God every day. Now, I want to make this very clear. I don't need a life-changing word from God every day. I don't need a life-altering word from God every day. I don't need a word from God every day that just totally revolutionizes my whole existence. We got people that it's not a word from God unless it's just like a lightning bolt and they just slain in the spirit in their living room. Amen. I don't need a word from God like that every day. In fact, the truth of the matter is, Amen, all of us have a lot of words from God right here. Amen. Amen. We got a lot of words from God right there. This is bread. This is daily bread. Amen. And so, amen, we, we, we need, but we need a word from God. What I mean by that is is when you go to pray, I'm talking about the practice of prayer in your daily routine, amen, you need to have a moment in that prayer time when you are aware that you're communing with God and that God is communing with you. You need to have some uh, uh, understanding, an idea that not not only that did did God hear me, but I heard God. Amen. And it, but what you got to understand is is it, every day is not going to be just some crazy thing. He's not going to be like go to work and quit your job today. Now he may say that someday, but it's every day is not like that. It may just be that you feel some encouragement. It may just be that you feel a little strength come into you. It may just be that your faith rises a little bit. And you know I, I have, I've heard from God. It may just be that God says keep on keeping on. You're doing good. I'm proud of you, right? Or it may be that God smacks you upside the head, says get it together. You still heard it from God, <laughs> amen? Amen. We ought to celebrate when we hear from God, whether he's patting us on the back or punching us in the face. We ought to celebrate. God is speaking to me. Amen. God is directing my life. And that's an important thing. Amen. And so uh, there's a lot of scriptures about daily bread and how we, Christ is that daily bread and his word. His word is that, is that bread that we should amen, eat of, and the Bible says we shall live forever, amen, that's powerful, it's his word that's going to take us into eternity, amen, amen, you're going to get hungry again after that peanut butter and jelly, but I mean, if you get his word, oh hallelujah, we have him, never hunger, never thirst again, so so we get that daily, daily bread, so now let's, let's Talk about repentance. Now, if, see, we had like, I don't know if we did two of these or three of these before we had the break, but we had a lot of stuff that before we got to repentance. Okay? And some people are confused by that. You know, they think that that ought to be the very first thing I do. And the only reason why we think that way is because we think of God in two human forms. We, we look at Him as too much like us. So we think though we may never say it, we think that if I don't repent, first words out of my mouth are repentance, then God's not gonna care about anything I do or say, and he's gonna be mad at me, and he's not gonna pay any attention to me. Now, that might be how humans interact with one another, but that's not how God interacts with us, okay? So these things that we talked about leading up to are very valuable, very important things to prepare us. Somebody say prepare us to prepare us for true repentance. See, that's the element. One of the reasons why our flesh wants to just jump into repentance is because that we, we want to have the feel goods. Right? I see you're nodding your head, so you know what I'm talking about. It feels good. It's you don't want to do it, but you do it and then you feel good after. Amen. And then we think, well, I got to have the feel goods before I can pray. Well, part of the reason why we don't find true repentance is because we're in love with the field goods. And that's not true repentance. We're going to talk about that now. This is new material now, okay? In Matthew 6 and 12, he's still giving us this illustrative prayer. And he says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, this word debts, in the context of this chapter and in this prayer, is it, it, it morally means our faults or our sins, okay? So he's talking about sin. He's not talking about someone who owes you money, or he's not talking about you owing somebody money, right? Okay? It's about our, our sins. So when we sin, we are indebted to God because only God can forgive us of our sins. He's the only one that can do it. We sin, We sin against God. Sin is always against God. It doesn't matter who we committed it with. It doesn't matter who we committed it for or who we committed it against. Sin is against God. Okay, that's important for us to understand what sin is because we can't get repentance right if we don't have what sin is right. And as the only source of sin-cleansing blood, only Jesus can cleanse me of my sin, can forgive me of my, 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 forgive my moral, my spiritual debt that I have created through my sin. All right? So that's how Matthew says it. Luke Recording the same idea, the same principle of what Jesus spoke to them that day. He actually says it like that. He says in Luke 11 and 4, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. So that's another way of understanding. It's not talking about some sort of financial debt or I owe someone a debt. It's talking about sin. I need my sins forgiven. Right? Amen. So. As we grow in God, we should not have to start each day with some long repentance prayer. Now, the nature of our humanity is that we can't leave repentance out. If you ever get to the place where you're like, I just don't need to repent today, then you need to repent of that. Um even if you're not sure of what to repent of repent ask God to cleanse you ask God to forgive you ask God to reach in ask God to open your eyes to things that you need help with Amen But we we but I I want to make a point and that is that we shouldn't Get to this point every day in our daily prayer and have like this laundry list of things that we've done wrong. That would be evidence that we're not growing in God. All right? That might be how it starts out, but that shouldn't still be how it is when we've been with God for a year and four years and 10 years and we still got this huge laundry list of things that we just, we're just sinning all the time. I'll get a little bit more to that, but the psalmist said in 66 and 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, what does he mean? Because that's a powerful statement, isn't it? The Lord won't hear me. What does he mean? He means that if I have indulged in sin and I refuse to abandon it, The Lord will not listen to my petitions without repentance. If I participate in sin, if I've indulged in sin, if I've I've sinned and I refuse to do anything about it, I refuse to deal with it, I refuse to acknowledge it, then I might as well be talking to the wall when I start making my requests known unto him. Does everybody understand? So what's interesting is, is while some people skip past this part, which is very damaging and unhelpful to just kind of skip through repentance and act like I don't need that, while some people skip past it, other people get stuck here. And it's important that we talk about that as well because you you don't want that to happen. Uh, So what we must do is we must wholeheartedly and honestly, repent and turn from our sin. That's what we must do. What we do not do is self inflict punishment, beat ourselves up, put ourselves in a timeout, right? Decide we're just no good. Decide that God's never going to be able to do anything with us. So we might as well just give up. We don't do that. We have to find true repentance. But we don't do that. If we find ourselves struggling with certain sin, certain issues, certain sins repeatedly, then we need to look to David again in Psalm 119. 9 through 16, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart I have sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. How do I how does a person cleanse their way? How do I find true repentance? Well David says that I have to get his word into my heart. And then David begins to break this down, and I'm not gonna go through all of this tonight, and it would be interesting for you maybe to do a little self-study, but he begins to say, I need thy word, but he says, uh, he breaks that down. He says, uh, thy commandments, and thy statutes, and thy judgments, and thy testimonies, and thy precepts. He's saying, I need the full word of God in my heart i need god's word that which he speaks to me i need it in my heart that which i get at an altar i need it in my heart That what i hear i hear preached or taught unto me or what a, an apostolic elder speaks to me uh, or, or what the word the word the bible that i'm reading every single day what well, that word i need that word i've hid it in my heart why why, David, is it so important to you to get the word of God in your heart? He says that I might not sin against him. Amen. So if I'm struggling with, a, with repetitive sin, if I'm not getting past something, if I'm, if I'm not gaining, if there's no fruits uh, of showing my progress, uh, then I need more word. And I need to know what the word is. I don't need to know the commandments, just know that commandments exist. I don't need to know what the commandments are. Because if he says thou shalt not, I need to know what thou shalt not is so that I don't do it. Right? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's why we have to be in the word. That's why we have to read and study the word. Amen. There are people that struggle and they get stuck trying to find true repentance because all they ever do about their sin is come to an altar, weep and cry and say, God, forgive me. Yes, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But you got to then get up and go forward without sinning, right? What did he say? Go and sin no more. I know what you did. I know what you were caught in. Everybody knows what you did. They they caught you in the act of it, and then they blabbed it for everyone to hear. Everybody's aware of the sin you committed. I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Don't go do the same thing again. Well, how am I not going to do that? I got to get the word. So I got to rise up from an altar, and I got to go home, and I got to start getting the Word of God into my life. i got to do a Bible study, and i got to read, and i got to learn, and i got to grow. Knowledge is powerful, right? Knowledge is powerful. The devil wants stupid Christians. So I'm, um, <laughs> I don't know. There's a version of the Bible that I've been going through this year. I can't remember what it is now something contemporary, but I've been listening to some of it. And so I hit play the other day, and it was, it was Galatians something. And it's, I like it because it's, it's audible. I like it because sometimes the characters have different voices. It's kind of dramatic. It's just a different way to do it. And the first words that I hear is the Apostle Paul, and he says, You stupid Galatians! And I I started laughing out loud, and I thought to myself, that's probably not the most correct uh, (laughs) as far as what Paul actually said, but it may be close to what Paul was actually thinking. (laughs) The devil loves stupid Christians. I'll try not to say that word again. I apologize if I offended you. Ignorant Christians. People that'll just, you know, they just live in this very simple little thing and, and they never grow and they never learn. So he can just kind of keep just throwing the same thing at them. Look at this. Watch what happens. Look at that. They do, look, see? Look. All I got to do is this and they just do the same stuff. Look, they don't know that I shouldn't be able to do this. They don't know this is not supposed to work. They don't know if they would just tell me to stop, I would have to stop. They don't know that if they would operate in their authority, I would have no authority over them. They don't know. But when we know, all of a sudden we have power. And the devil's tricks don't work as easily anymore. Because we begin to learn and we begin to grow from the word. Right? Amen. So David says, I need the word. Why? So that I won't sin against a." Our prayer life will never rise above our personal life. Not really. If we're going to live in the pig pen, our prayer life is not going to somehow just be awesome. And we're never going to change the world if we're unable to see change in ourselves. So how do we repent? Matthew 3, 1 through 2. In those days, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent in the context that John the Baptist is using, it means to think Differently, think differently. In Matthew 4 and 17, we find the words of Jesus. He begins to preach and he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that word, repent, in the context of Jesus using it, is to think differently, to reconsider. So, what are they trying to say when they say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? What are they trying to say? They're saying, Your behavior was based upon a certain way of thinking. Your behavior has been based upon a certain belief system, but that needs to change. That's what they're saying by by repent. They're saying you used to think this was okay, but that needs to be changed, because that's not okay. And you used to say these types of things, but that you need to reconsider that, because that's not the right way to speak. And you used to treat people this way, but you need to think differently. You need to reconsider your behavior. You need to understand there's another way, not just another way, but a better way, a higher way, a moral way, a purer way. You have to repent. You have to think differently. Amen. That's why the Apostle Paul talks about the transformation of the mind. Amen. True repentance comes when we begin to see our need for repentance. And we begin to see our need for repentance when we actually see sin. We actually understand sin. If we don't see why or how our behavior is sinful, then we won't learn what makes it an affront to God. I won't, if I don't know why it's sinful, then, then I'm not going to understand why God would be upset with it. And I'm not going to understand that it's sinful. And so then I'm just sorry. Somebody say sorry. Now this is interesting. Pay close attention. Because this is where we battle our flesh. This is where knowledge comes in. See, there's sorrow and then there's godly sorrow. Sorrow, human sorrow, is... I'm sorry I got caught. Human sorrow is that I'm sorry I'm having to deal with these consequences. I'm really sorry that I have to pay this fine. Right? I'm really sorry that I've got this STD now. I'm really sorry that that I'm battling with addiction now. I'm really sorry that my friends and family can't trust me anymore. I'm really sorry of the consequence of me getting caught, amen. That's human sorrow. And human sorrow can lead to tears and human sorrow can lead to us saying, you know, uh, oh man, I'm, just, I'm broken and I, just, I hate my life and I'm so devastated and I don't know why I do the things I do. And human sorrow can lead to all that. But godly sorrow, the Bible says, leads to repentance. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. You see, when we have human sorrow, we simply repeat the same behaviors over and over again. Human sorrow is this, feel bad, repent, feel better, sin, feel bad, repent, feel better, sin, feel bad, get the feel goods, oh, got that taken care of, God, I'm sorry for that, huh, wish I hadn't done that, that was bad, feel good. Sin again. Right? Amen. But godly sorrow leads to repentance. 2 Corinthians 7 9 through 10. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. Paul says to the church in Corinth, he says, I'm, re- I'm rejoicing not because you were made to feel bad, but because your sorrow actually caused you to do something about your behavior. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. That cycle of feel bad, repent, feel better, sin, feel bad, repent, feel better, sin, that cycle only leads to destruction. But godly sorrow leads to eternal life. You see, godly sorrow makes no excuses and takes full responsibility. Oh, hallelujah. Godly sorrow never places blame on other people, on the society, or on the circumstances. Oh, it's tempting though, right? It's tempting. Self-justification. Well, I did it, but, you know, if they hadn't, those are the little verbal cues that ought to go off like alarm bells in your head. When you hear yourself saying stuff like that, it ought to be like an alarm bell telling you, "You're you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Well, I wouldn't have done it if they hadn't done this. I never said that if they hadn't said this. I'd never been there if they hadn't invited me. I, hadn't, I never would have done it if they didn't pressure me. I don't know what the big deal is. The world says it's okay. Everybody's doing it. Right? It's amazing how some behaviors that our parents try to teach us and train us out of when we're five can still be lingering around when we're older than that everybody was doing it well if they were all going to what jump off a cliff anybody ever heard that one well if they were all going to jump off a cliff would you have jumped off a cliff and that's when we're little but we're older and we're still sometimes saying the same things to God. God, I'm sorry about it, but really, it wasn't really my fault. That's not repentance. That's not repentance. And so godly sorrow leads to true repentance, and we understand that our sin is against God, and, that we, and we understand that we have to change our ways. And that if other people don't change, that's on them. And if they keep doing bad things, that's on them. And if they want to keep living that way, that's on them. But that's not who I'm going to be anymore. I'm changing my ways. I'm getting a new way of thinking. I'm changing my direction. Amen? I'm, I'm going to act different, live different, look different, think different. No matter what anybody else does. Amen? Amen? The Bible does tell us we have to work our own salvation out with fear and trembling. And so we can't get used to pointing the finger at everybody else is the problem. We have to look in the mirror. It's not a slip-up. It's not a mistake. It's not a shortcoming. It's not a problem. It's not just a generational curse. At its core, it's a sin. Amen. It's a sin. And until we can acknowledge that I have sinned, we're not going to find true repentance. David said in Psalm 32, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, 32 and 5, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. The verbiage that David uses is the verbiage that we should use. Amen? I acknowledged my sin. It was mine iniquity, and I'm not gonna hide it. I'm not gonna pretend like it doesn't exist. So I will confess, I will confess. And they're my transgressions. And because David took that approach, he was able to find true repentance. And he was able to finish that out by saying, and thou us the iniquity of my sin. If you really want to, know, want to know what it feels like to find true repentance and walk in true repentance, then you have to own up to sin. Amen. Amen. Now, confessing to someone else may be good from an accountability point of view. We believe in accountability partners. We believe in helping one another. We believe in all that kind of stuff. We believe in the power of the church to help one another. And it may be a good thing for you to confess to your accountability partner that that you've sinned. But I need to be very clear here, pastor. That does nothing towards achieving forgiveness from God. That is not forgiving you. They cannot forgive you. They cannot make it go away. They cannot clean it up. And it doesn't count as a prayer of repentance to confess to someone else. Now, frankly, some people are sitting here right now and thinking, my God, I would much rather repent to God than a human being. I'm thankful. Oh, thank God. But I have also known people that would much rather just let their accountability partner know that they messed up again than actually find true repentance. And so you've got to be careful about how we, how we do that and, and what that means. Amen. David said, I acknowledged it. Paul said boldly of his ministry, in Acts 26, 19 to 20, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed it first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coast of Judea. He said, I did this everywhere I, get, I went, and I even did it to the Gentiles. What did he do? He says, that I told them that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Repent and turn. Somebody say turn. This is where we get the idea of the 180-degree turn. This is where we get the idea of repentance means I'm going this way, but now I'm going to turn, and I'm going to go this way. This is where we get that idea from, repent and turn. But I want you to understand here tonight that to make that turn, I've got I to do some adjustments up here. To truly make that turn, i got to start thinking differently. Okay, because if I if it's just a feel good turn, oh man, so many of those, man, I've done that so many times. What a waste! What a waste to just a feel good turn, right? It's just oh, I'm not I'm not doing right. I shouldn't be doing that or whatever. God, I need your help. Oh, and I'm crying and I got the goosebumps and the feel goods and I and I got the feel good turn. And I I do. I ask God to forgive and God God is faithful and just to forgive. But if it's a feel-good turn, it's not going to last very long. You know how long it lasts? Until I don't feel good anymore. Amen. It's a major problem to try to go through life based upon how you feel. That's a huge mistake. You know why? Because we we got a lot of feelings Don't we? Oh, we got feelings about everything. Everything's affecting my feelings somehow. For good or for bad. And there's a lot of bad, and so it's not long until I feel bad again. I felt good. Nothing like being in an altar. Nothing like Sunday night. Man, that feels good. Oh. Oh. You know... Heaven's gonna be like that, just perpetually, just living in that. Oh, I can't wait for that. There are times, oh, there's so many times that I'm just like, God, can we just stay here, please? Can we lock the doors and just, I mean, everybody delivers now? We can, food, we'll have food. Everybody can work from home, we'll just work from here. And, and you know, Lord, I don't wanna leave. Because as soon as we leave, we're going to get into our feelings. And people are going to start getting into their feelings. As soon as we get connected, stay connected, live connected. And sometimes I'm going to follow that up by shouting, now don't get into your feelings. Because we're going to say, live connected. And then we're going to turn to say hi to someone. And right when we turn to say hi, they're just going to happen to turn away from us. And we're going to be like, well, what in the world? here in the house of God, giving me the cold shoulder. I don't know what I did to them. I don't know why they hate me so much. Here I am in my feelings now. And my feelings lead me to sin. My feelings, flesh knows how to get to sin. Flesh will justify sin. Flesh will tell you, you've got a right to do this. Go ahead. Go ahead and participate in that sinful behavior. You wouldn't have had to do this if they hadn't given you the cold shoulder. If more people loved you, you wouldn't have to do this. Flesh only knows how to get to sin. But I have to crucify the flesh. Paul says, not I, but who? Christ liveth within me. Crucified with Christ. I have to lay myself down. So Paul says, I went everywhere. And everywhere I went, even to the Gentiles, he said, I preached repentance. He says, repentance that uh, and do works meet for repentance, which means our repentance should be demonstrated by our deeds. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm, I'm done. This, he says, you will know when you, you'll, you'll know, we will know when we're finding true repentance, when we begin to move beyond some sins. Okay? Now, if you've never moved beyond a sin, I need you to hear, Pastor, it's very possible. It's entirely possible. In fact, it should be happening in your life. When that sin is no longer routinely on my lips needing forgiveness of, amen, when you've, when you, when you've grown past it. You know, Romans 3.23, we all, we all know it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, without doing a deep dive on that that sentence, can I just make a, a little bit of a shallow point? For all have sinned. It doesn't mean all are perpetually sinning. It doesn't mean that all are always going to be dealing with the same sin. Have sinned. Now, on this side of glory, you know my feelings. On this side of glory, we will always come short of the glory of God. On this side of heaven, on this side of eternity, we're always going to come short of the glory of God because we've got these earthen vessels, right? And we're not going to reach perfection. However, our progress should be measurable. There ought to be things that we don't do anymore and haven't done for a long time. There ought to be, a, we got to have a testimony of what God has done in our life. You see, when people first come to God, I'm going to say this really quickly, but when people first come to God, you know it, we've all went through it, you've watched other people go through it, amen. They've got, they've got the mountain sins, the big sins, the things that they think are sin. And they're not wrong about it, it is. Addiction a lot of times is one of those things that people can't really, you know, you can't hide it. It's affecting every aspect of your life, physically, mentally, emotionally. It's, and, and, and I meet a lot of uh, uh, people that dealt with addiction or, or struggles in that area, and they don't hide it. They're, they get to a point where they're, they're just like, yeah. And, and, they're, and this is my sin, this is my issue, this is what I need help with. There are certain types of perversion that you don't, have to, you don't have to tell somebody that that's a sin. They know it's a sin. They know it's a sin since the moment they've been doing it. They know it's a sin every time they do it, amen. And they know that I, that's my sin, that's my issue. But one of the things we learn is, is that when I come to God and I begin to find, uh, hallelujah, what, what real repentance of, and maybe I get baptized and the Holy Ghost comes in, I start getting some power and understanding of authority. Then I start hiding the word of God in my heart and I, and I start to realize I can overcome some of these sins. What we realize is is when we we knock some of those mountains down, there's some stuff behind it. Right? Like, oh, well, I guess I I got some other sins I got to deal with. And anyone who's lived with God for any length of time will understand that every time you knock something down, you realize there's some other stuff. Hey, man, there's some other stuff. There's some other stuff. And so the the point is is that there are sins that we only become aware of when other sins are removed. And understanding repentance allows us to participate in it correctly and reap the rewards of it. When I understand repentance, and I do everything we talked about tonight, when I understand that, I can say, God, forgive me my sins. from a a right place and a right understanding, and I acknowledge it, and I can overcome those things in my life. I can begin to reap the rewards of not dealing with that thing again. And I know a lot of you are nodding because you've been there, but some of you maybe you haven't, and I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing, and it's a very empowering thing to realize what true repentance can bring about in your life. Let's stand together tonight. Amen. And so, yes, repentance has to be a part of our daily prayer. Sure it does. But let's just make sure we're doing it right. Right reasons, right motivations. Heavenly Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you so much for what we felt in this service tonight. Even Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you, and we hope you have a great week.